Thank you for tuning in to this week of the meme series at City Church. We are honored and blessed to have you join us for our online service experience. It is our intent to share God's word with the local community, online viewers like you, and our church family. If you're from the greater Savannah area and you do not have a church home, we would love for you to visit us at our location, 1624 East 38th Street. It's on the corner of that and B Road. Remember, resources like this, they're meant to be supplemental. So get yourself to church. If you'd like to find out more about City Church, you can find out more by visiting our website, citychurch.life. Or just click the link in the description. So uh, I wanted to just start off by, by celebrating a little bit of fun and just say happy May the 4th be with you yesterday. I know it was yesterday, but I'm a big Star Wars fan, so may the 4th be with you. For those of you that uh, lean to the dark side, today is Revenge of the 5th. There is too much cheering in church for Revenge of the 5th. Shameful. But we like to have fun. There's lots of nerds around here. You know, in other churches, you might celebrate when there's a big game, go dogs, right? Or whatever it may be. There are a handful of dog fans around here, maybe. I don't know. Where's Clay? There he is. Thank you, Clay. All right. But, but you know what? We like to celebrate and have things uh, that are fun that kind of fit our culture a little bit. And uh, that's definitely part of our culture. We like to have fun. Um, and I have a quick disclaimer for you as far as the meme series goes. I don't always get memes, guys. Like, we started City Church, like that first slide was a meme at last week, and I didn't even get it. So uh, if, if I am memeing the wrong way, if memeing's even a word, then please let me know. Caitlin, I'm counting on you. You are like you are youth culture right here. So I'm going to ask that if I, I meme incorrectly, somebody let me know, because that's just embarrassing. Um, this actually is a meme. Nobody asked for City Church memes, but we're doing it anyways. So uh, today, what we're going to be talking about is inspiration. And if you're like me, like you have to know, okay, this is week two of the series. What's that title I'm going to write? Inspiration's the title that you're going to write, okay? I'm not going to touch on that quite yet. I want to do a little bit of a recap on what memes are and how we got here. Uh, but ultimately, I promise we'll get to inspiration. Uh, so meme comes from the Greek word mimima, uh, and it's that which is imitated. So uh, basically, when you look at a meme, you can see that it's an imitation of something, right? So sometimes it's imitating life, uh, and this was actually sent to me by somebody who's working in the pro booth this morning, trying to love people, but you're also an introvert with boundaries, <laughs> right? This is why they work in the production booth and not as a greeter. It's all right. I'm that way sometimes, too. Uh, and then memes also imitate each other. Right? Because you go online and you just search for like the, the victory baby or whatever, and there's just memes, memes everywhere, right? And so it's just kind of this machine that feeds off of itself, but that makes it kind of fun for what we get to do this morning uh, because, you know, it's, it does imitate life, it does imitate each other, and there's sometimes a little bit of truth in there uh, that makes it a little bit easier to swallow when we can laugh at ourselves while we're doing it, right? So that's, that's what I hope you that uh, you'll, you'll take out of today, is that there's a little bit of truth in here, and let's have some fun as we explore that together. Um, so if memes are imitation, the question is, who are you imitating? Now, last week, Pastor Jim challenged us, of course, that we ought to be imitating Jesus, uh, and he, he ended with this thought, make me a meme. If a meme is an imitation then shouldn't we be an imitation of Jesus? Make me a meme. So shouldn't I look like Jesus? And, you know, we, we understand scripturally that that's ultimately what we're supposed to get to. 
Uh, but, but if we're honest, we probably look like a kind of funny version of him, just like a meme, right? But that's because we're growing and we're changing. We're becoming more and more like him, learning to be like him. Um, now, last week, as Pastor Jim was talking about imitating Jesus, he started with, uh, well, I, I guess I'll get to that in just a moment, uh, this, with this concept of imitating Jesus. Uh, Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, starting in verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. So he's talking about us here, right? It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. So we are supposed to be like Jesus. It's intended. And we were created to imitate God. If we look at Genesis 1, starting in verse 27, it says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we know that we are supposed to be like God. We're supposed to imitate God. And that is what this series is all about, is how do we imitate God? And uh, we're going to figure out what that looks like today. Now, with Genesis 1, you know the story, right, of we're created in God's image. We're supposed to uh, be made in his image and imitate him. But this is what really happened. The snake says, hey, want to sin? Adam and Eve's obvious, no. We made it taste like apple. Consider my interest peaked. So this is, you know, obviously the short version, but, but this is what happened, and now we suffer the consequences. We are stuck with that decision that Adam and Eve made years and years and years ago. And, of course, we like to say, oh, I wouldn't make that decision. But, yes, you would. I would, too. And so we suffer the consequences of that decision. So we are constantly struggling to be that imitation of God that we're supposed to be. And we have been for a long, long time. And we're suffering, as here it says in John 10, 10, because the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And this is what we suffer with because of that choice. This is what we have to deal with as we try to imitate God. But there's good news because Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is a foundational verse for our church. And this is something that you can see like on the, on the wall outside where it says life-giving or that uh, we are a, a church for people who, who want to have life and have it abundantly. So we know that there's more. There's a new hope, if I can throw a Star Wars reference in there, right? There is hope. We know that there's more. We know there's a better life, but we're not sure how to get there. And that's what the Christian life is all about, isn't it? It's this struggle to move forward as we imitate Jesus. But it kind of feels like we're stumbling around in the dark sometimes, doesn't it? I know it has for me. So, not sure. But Jesus says, uh-oh. Jesus says my slide is gone. <laughs> all right. There was a great slide with Jesus looking like Fry. It says, follow me. I know, it would have been hilarious. You can laugh anyways. So that was Fry saying, I'm not sure, but Jesus says, I'm sure, follow me. So we're supposed to be imitating Jesus. And last week, Pastor Jim started us off on this idea of imitating Jesus with love. In Mark 1, starting in verse 9, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. A beautiful moment as Jesus is about to embark upon his ministry. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. 
when you know how deeply you are loved by God, it changes how you live, right? Now, that's, I believe, why Jesus started his ministry with this, with hearing from the Father. And this is what Pastor Jim talked about last week, is knowing how deeply God loves you and what that looks like. But do you know how deeply he loves you? Because if you truly knew how deeply, wouldn't your life be different? If you knew at the same level that Jesus knew how much he was loved, do you think your life would be different? So that's what I want to talk about today is knowing that deeply. So this leads to the question, how do you live? Because if, if we are not experiencing that deep love of the Father, that abundant life that we're supposed to have, if we know the deep love of the Father, how do we live? And how do you want to live? Now, I'd like to be like Kermit, living my best life, right? Kermit's so happy. He's got his Lipton tea there. But most of us, we're not like Kermit. We are struggling to get through it. We want more. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I love this verse because it just kind of captures what I feel personally. I know that there is more. I know I'm made for more, but I don't always know how to get there. We know we're made for more than this world offers, but we don't always know how to get there. Changing our circumstances requires inspiration. So if, if we need to know the love of the Father so that we can change our circumstances, if we want to have that abundant life, then of course we need inspiration, right? Because inspiration kind of spurs us on to do great things. And so coming back to inspiration in imitating Jesus. Now, the question here is where, where did Jesus look for his inspiration? Well, he didn't look to the uh, cat shark here, but sometimes this is what we tell ourselves, right? Sometimes you have to tell yourself, I am the shark and attack the day. We try and build ourselves up with things like this. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't think Jesus probably thought he was a shark. Let's talk about what inspiration means. It's the process, and this is from, from Google, so you know it's official because everything on the internet is true. Uh, the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. Most of us would probably agree with that definition, right? Being mentally stimulated to do or feel something. You might even call that an awakening. But the truth is that it kind of works like this for us. The force awakens. The force needs five more minutes. Can we just get five more minutes? Like, I was inspired, but man, that nap sounds really good right now. Because that happens to us a lot of the time, doesn't it? We get inspired, we get pumped, and we're going to go change the world. And then we get distracted, or we get tired, or life happens. So I'd say that that inspiration probably needs a new definition. Because it's, it's not actually creating any change. It's creating something temporary, a temporary feeling. And so this is uh, actually a definition that Pastor Jim came up with, and it's the process of the Father speaking to ordinary people, calling them to greatness. And I believe this is the kind of inspiration that really produces change, is when, because you know how deeply the Father loves you, you connect with him, and you can hear when he calls you, so that it does produce something great in your life. Not for your sake, but because he wants to. 
So I want to look at John 3, 8. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. I feel like this is a, a great picture of what it's like to be inspired by God. Is, and, and, you know, if, you, if you've not already heard uh, the, the description of the Holy Spirit as wind, it's all through the Bible. The, the words for wind and spirit are the same in the New Testament. It's the word pneuma. And it means wind. It, it's, it's supposed to describe how God moves because it's unpredictable, right? Everybody get the uh, tornado watch warning yesterday, right? Yeah, you know why we send those things out? Because wind is unpredictable. Wouldn't you like to be in touch with a source that powerful, though? Yeah, it may be unpredictable, but it is powerful. So if you are born of the Spirit, you're just like the wind. You move where God wants you to move. You don't know why or how sometimes, but God is moving you, and there is power in that. God can inspire us through anything, and I believe he does this in a number of ways. He can inspire us through music. You know, uh, I feel that a lot of the time, just on Sunday morning, we have an amazing worship team that leads us into the presence of God. Anybody ever been inspired by a Sunday morning worship service? Yeah, right? It's awesome. You can also be inspired by music that is not Jesus music. That's okay. Uh, you know, th there's just something about music that can inspire us and move us. We can be inspired by a film. Anybody ever cried at a film? I'm the only one? Come on, liars. Goodness. We can be inspired by a film. It moves us. There's something that it connects with deep inside of us, and I believe that's that eternity written into our hearts by the Spirit of God. Sometimes we can be inspired by hardship. This one is not our favorite one to be inspired by but sometimes it produces the greatest change. Martin Luther King Jr. was inspired by hardship. He changed the world. We also see other instances throughout history of people inspired by hardship. We see Moses and the Israelites in the Exodus. He was inspired by the hardship of his people. Hardship can inspire us to do great things, but it's called hardship for a reason. It's not fun. How about a dream? And, and I believe this can be a physical dream or, you know, some, some kind of vision that's inside of you. But uh, even looking at physical dreams, how about Joseph, right, in the Bible? He had this dream of the stars and the moon and the sun all bowing down to him. And then he had another dream very much like it with stalks of wheat. Or Jacob, when he first dreamed of God and saw uh, angels moving up and down on a ladder, and he, in that place, created an altar to God. But there can also be a dream inside of you, something that you desire that God has put there. So dreams can inspire us as well. And then there's the burning bush. This one is typically our favorite because it's super obvious, and that must mean we are super dense, right? At least I am a lot of the time. Like, I, I want these burning bush moments. Like, hey, God, can you just, like, give me that burning bush, that neon sign, whatever it is, the giant finger pointing right here? That's the thing that you're supposed to do? Unfortunately, uh, we see like two or three examples of that in scripture. Most of the time, it is people responding to the circumstances God has put them in. So let's talk about the burning bush for a moment. Let's talk about Moses. 
and I alluded to them earlier, because I think that Moses is a really great picture of how we can be inspired. But it's also kind of a cautionary tale. So in Exodus chapter 2, we are, are at Moses as an adult. It says, uh, beginning in verse 11, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He recognizes that this is one of his people. This is the hardship that he recognizes, and it causes him to take action. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And, when, and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he said, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? To which Moses responded, why are you no like me? That's probably how he felt, right? Did you, didn't you see what I did for you the other day? Why are you not like me? But Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. Moses was inspired to wrong action. The, the inspiration was good, seeing the hardship and suffering of his people. That's good inspiration. That should stir something within us. That should make us want to act but he chose the wrong action. That was not how God had things planned. He was looking for love in all the wrong places. I can't promise there won't be more Star Wars references, guys. It's Revenge of the Fifth. So let's talk about divine inspiration versus an emotional high, because I believe this is where Moses was when he killed the Egyptian. He had an emotional high, not divine inspiration. Again, the inspiration was good, but he did not act on it in a way that God would have him do. He acted from this emotional high. Our emotions are inconsistent. We cannot rely on them for inspiration. This is what our emotions do. Who am I to judge? Also me. Right? Our emotions are totally inconsistent. They cannot be the source of our inspiration. We need the consistency of divine inspiration. The hard part is, how do you know it's divine inspiration? Well, let me tell you about the rest of Moses' life. Now, uh, films have not been the first to establish this, by the way, where it just skips several years into the future. God did it way back in the Bible. So 40 years later, as after Moses has killed the Egyptian and fled into the desert, Exodus 3, verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. I love this picture of the power of God. Think about it. There are green leaves on this bush as it is on fire. Moses says, oh, I'm going to go check that out. Why not? I'll turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Now, this was the beginning of divine inspiration in Moses' life. He had been inspired by the hardship of his people. And that's what inspired God as well. If you continue to read in Exodus, God has heard the cries of his people, he says. He has seen their suffering. Hardship inspires God as well. But we have to act in the way that he wants us to. So he inspires Moses to take the right action. 
And it's so very different than how Moses had responded. And this is part of what it is being that uh, person who is born of the Spirit and is like the wind. This does not make sense. Okay, God, so rather than going and attacking the Egyptians, which I did previously and failed epically, uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to throw my stuff on the ground and it's become a snake, okay? And you're going to do what? So it doesn't make sense to us, but that's why it works, because God doesn't make sense. If, if he made sense, then he'd be a God of our own creation, wouldn't he? If you understood God, would you really believe in him if you fully understood him? Because then he's kind of man-made. This is what I love about God is that when he acts, when he inspires, it doesn't always make sense. But still, how do we know when it's God? Because there are crazy ideas that are God-inspired, and there are crazy ideas that are not God-inspired, right? We probably have all made choices in our lives that sounded really good at the time, but later we're like, oh, no, that, that was definitely not a God decision. Well, I believe Ephesians 5 begins to give us the answer to this. Uh, starting in verse 15, it says, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, in another translation, it says making the most of every opportunity. And I love that translation as well, that, that we have to make the most of every opportunity that God has given us. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So the answers are to understand the will of the Lord be filled with his spirit. It's nice to know that there's an answer, but those are pretty tall orders, right? Anybody achieved that yet? No? Yeah, me neither. I'm working on it, though, to understand the will of the Lord and to be filled with his spirit. But how do you do that? By imitating Jesus. Jesus sought God for inspiration. In Luke 5, 15, uh, it says, but now, now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to him and to be healed of their infirmities. This is out after Jesus had done a miraculous healing, and people are just rushing to him. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So the world says, what? Jesus, you're at the height of your popularity, man. What are you doing? But Jesus doesn't listen to that. He withdraws to desolate places so that he can pray. Again, it doesn't make sense to us because in, in our minds, in, in the human thinking, you know, ride the wave, right? If you are popular, if people are following you, why would you disappear? There are instances in the Bible where it, they say, where's Jesus? Because he's just disappeared to go off by himself and pray. It sounds like he didn't even leave a note. But he's withdrawn to desolate places to pray. So if Jesus needed time alone with God, how much more do we? If Jesus, to be inspired by God, went away to pray, and that word desolate doesn't necessarily have to mean a, a desert, but it does mean a place of solitude, right? So if he needed that, how much more do we need it? So my question to you is, where is your desolate place? Where can you go to be by yourself with the Spirit of God? Now, for some of you, that is going to actually be going out into the wilderness like we see in Scripture Jesus did. For some of you, that's going to be just going to the park, 
For some of you, that is the five minutes you get in the bathroom with the door closed so the kids don't know you're there. But we've got to find that desolate place. We've got to find that place where we can get alone with God. In Matthew 6, 6, we are instructed, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So how often do you pray in secret? This one's a little bit convicting for me, if I'm honest, because I have this tendency to, to do the praying in secret thing really, really well when I really, really want something. But when things are going well, not so much. So uh, last time I, I was able to preach was back in December, and I taught on prayer. Um, and um, God was teaching me in that time to go into that secret place, to go to that prayer closet or whatever you want to call it, and to spend that time in prayer. And I was seeking something big in my life at the time. And you know what? God provided. Praise God. And then that secret time kind of started to dip because things were going okay. I didn't need to be there so much, did I? But that's the danger. And, and that's honestly the struggle, right? Because we know we need him, but we don't always take the time to be with him, especially when things are going well. And then when we get to circumstances where we need him again, it's kind of like, oh crap, what did we do? So the prayer closet. But the prayer closet needs cleaned, if we're honest, right? Most of us, we need to get in there. We need to clean some things out. We need to make some space to be with God. And for me, this is a, a legitimate closet. We have a walk-in closet, and yeah, it's, it's full of all kinds of stuff. There is just enough room, however, for me to sit or, or stand or whatever and pray. So does your prayer closet need cleaning? Do you need to go find a space so that you can make a little bit of room to engage in that time with God, because I believe that is the only way that you will receive divine inspiration, is if you are making the time to connect with him on a daily basis. And I use the word daily intentionally. Now, there's a reason that we have the, our daily bread prayer, right? God doesn't want you just once a week. Too many of us come on Sunday morning, and we are inspired by God, but then we don't go to that secret place throughout the week and we kind of get into a rut again throughout the week. And then it's Sunday again, and then it's not. Too many of us don't take that time to be with him. And we need to clean out the prayer closet. We need to make that space in our lives, whether that's in our, our schedule or in our home, so that we can engage God, so that we can seek him. God has given us the tools to make this happen. I want to talk about a few of those with you. Uh, first, he's given us scripture. Right? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, I grew up in the church, so I, I got uh, some really cool uh, church experiences that not everybody got. So I know the real meaning of the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. Really cool, right? At least I thought so when I was a kid. But you know what? It's actually, it's actually pretty true. Because whatever you need, there's an answer in there. All scripture is breathed out by God. Again, the spirit of God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Did you know that by reading scripture, you can know how deeply God loves you? 
Did you know that if you're struggling with something, you can get comfort in Scripture? You can get answers in Scripture? Now, of course, God does not write out specific answers for so-and-so, right? He doesn't write out specific answers for Robert or for Chris or for John. I'm totally picking on the guys in my small group. Uh, but, but you know what? What he does do there is he gives us circumstances that, that still apply to us so that we can seek those answers. We can seek the comfort we need. And all scripture is breathed out by God and it's made so that we can learn from it, so that we can learn even how to spend that time with him. There's a reason that Scripture contains something with the disciples saying, Jesus, teach us how to pray. That wasn't just for their benefit. That's for you and me as well. But I never have time to read my Bible. God shuts down Facebook and Instagram. Better see what's happening on Twitter. Distractions. Got to watch out, right? It's so easy because it's super convenient to have the Bible on my phone. But then there's that notification for the other thing, right? Whatever it may be, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, Snapchat, I don't I can't keep up with all of it, you guys. This is why I have youths like Caitlin. She can teach me. But maybe this is one of the things that you need to declutter. Could you delete Instagram from your phone for a month and see what happens? That was painful for some of you. I heard that. <laughs> But my followers, the hashtags, they need me. It'll survive without you, I promise. And if it doesn't, then who cares, honestly? I don't. This is more important, spending that time with God. So will you take the time? Will you take the time to read your Bible every day? How about these other resources that God has given us? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So this of course includes the, the Sunday morning gathering, um, but I believe it also includes small groups. And uh, I want to say, even for somebody who's watching online or maybe who's watching this recorded, if you're not part of a community of believers on a regular basis, and I would say regular means at least once a week, then you're missing out. This is one of the resources that God has given us. And I do believe that those of you that are sitting here today, if you're not in a small group, you are missing out because you, you fit in this little place where you can kind of sneak in on Sunday morning, sit in a chair and smile, and maybe you know a few names, and then you leave, and you got your Jesus shot for the week, but you're not experiencing that life change. You're not experiencing the deep love of God that's giving you that abundant life. And part of it is because you're not willing to commit. You're not willing to open up to your small group, right? This is what happens when your small group encourages you to open up, but you don't trust them quite yet. Will you trust them? Will you give them an opportunity? I promise most of them do not bite. There's probably a couple, but we don't talk about them. I love my small group. Uh, I'm going to brag on my friend Chris for a minute. I don't think Chris is in here. He's serving today. Uh, but, but Chris is the kind of guy who's like, oh, another layer, huh? Let me, let me help you feel that. Let me help you open that up. He asks questions. He asks hard questions. 
and he doesn't let you get away with noncommittal answers. I really, really value that. I need that in my life. I know the other guys in my small group are blessed by that as well because we need somebody that's going to help us peel away the layers. We need somebody that's going to help us to open up. And I believe that's part of what God intends these small group communities for. We, we hear all the time uh, in Proverbs, it says that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Ironing sharpening iron is not necessarily a comfortable process, right? Those two things are solid. They are heavy. Sometimes you butt heads with your small group. Sometimes you need to. Because what God is trying to do is to get you to open up and to be all that he has created you to be, to be that imitator of Christ. So will you open up? Will you choose to try out a small group? I host a men's group Thursday night, 630. Any man in here is welcome to join. But I will warn you, Chris will be there and he will be ready to peel somebody. <laughs> we love having new guys join us. But I'll be honest, we've had new guys join us. And they come and they see that we are willing to open up. And they stick around for one week. And then they're gone. And I don't hear from them again. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But if you can't take it, then you got to ask God what you're doing with your life. If you can't come into an environment like that and be willing to open up to let God grow you, what are you doing? Why do you come here? Because it's what your mom did, what your grandma did. That's not real. You need to engage God personally. And I believe that one of the resources that he gives us is that small group to help us open up. God has also given us a ton of examples. So let me talk about Moses once again. Moses is a great example of how to spend some time with God. Exodus 24, verse 12. And Pastor Jim teaches on this all the time. It's so beautiful. Um, we all know the Ten Commandments, right? Where Charlton Heston goes up the mountains, comes down with a full beard, and he has two big pieces of rock with some laws on them. Uh, but but this, is, this is what God said to Moses. Come up to me on the mountain and wait there. He didn't say, hey, Moses, let's, uh, let's have that hour meeting. I'll have you back in time for dinner. And you can just tell the Israelites what's going to go on. He says, come up and wait there. This is actually, if you look at the original Hebrew, come up and be. Come up and exist with me. This is what God is looking for in those secret place moments. This is what he wants for you is to just come and be without an agenda. I'm really, really good at the agenda piece. Well, God, absolutely, I will spend that time with you this morning, uh, but I'd like to get this answered, this answered, this taken care of, and can you tell me about this? No, come up and be. How about you listen for a change? Not something I'm very good at either, to be honest. He says, come up and be, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. Before Moses can receive what he needs from God to move forward, he's got to be inspired. Come up and wait there. Don't know how long it's going to take, Moses. If you remember the story, he was gone for a long time. This was not an overnight camping trip. This was a long time, so long that the Israelites said, is he dead? Come up and be. So what will you do? Can you go be with God 
long enough that he does something like give you the Ten Commandments. That he says, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I have for you to do with your life. Here's how I want you to live. Wouldn't we love that? To know with certainty what it is that God has for us? I know I would. That comes from knowing how deeply you are loved, which comes from being with him, from spending the time with him in prayer, reading scripture, around other believers who can encourage you. Come and be with him. There's also Abraham wandering in the desert. I can't even imagine this. Well, I take that back. I kind of can. Several years ago, I lost my job. I was living in Colorado. That's where I'm born and raised, which is why I can't say y'all very well. Uh, Thank you, Kenneth. I appreciate that you laugh at my jokes, buddy. Uh, But I was in Colorado, and I lost my job, and I was just kind of looking through things and trying to decide things, and and ultimately, I decide I'm going to check out Savannah, and I apply to go to school here, and I don't get accepted. And God says, go anyway. Because you see, in that process, I met some really, really awesome people. I met a really awesome pastor and his wife and their church, and God said, I want you to go be a part of that. Okay, God. Don't know what else I'm going to do, but I'll go volunteer at City Church. But you know what? Abraham had a very similar experience, wandering throughout the desert, wandering around trying to find the promised land. God told him, go to the place I will show you. God, that's not how Google Maps works. I put in one destination. I tell it if I want to stop on the way, like if I need a bathroom break or something. No. God says, go to where I will show you. Go and be How about David out in the field? We have all of these beautiful psalms that have been composed by David, right? When do you think he did those? Not in the heat of battle. We know that David had lots of time on his hands as a shepherd, as a young man. I believe that he wrote many of those psalms that we love in those times where he was out in the field. Whether he was keeping the sheep or off by himself, he went to be with God. He had that time with him to be with him, to know who he is, to know how much God loves him. How about Mary Magdalene at Jesus' feet? This is such a beautiful story. We all know about Martha and Mary, right? Nobody really wants to be Martha most of the time because she's the one that's really busy and she says, Jesus, can't you tell my sister to get up off her feet and come help me? Jesus tells her, Mary knows what's more important. She's here. She is being with me. And we read Mary Magdalene's story today and all of us say, that's where I want to be. Nobody says, I want to be Martha today, right? No, we want to be like Mary. How about the apostles at Pentecost? Sure, before Jesus was crucified, they were a bunch of knuckleheads. Really, even after he was crucified to an extent, But when the Holy Spirit comes, he does something amazing. But it's only after they have taken the time to just be. It says they were all gathered together. We know as we read in the book of Acts, they all were just praying together, spending time together, seeking the Lord. And that is when the tongues of fire fell. And the church grew by 3,000 people in one day. 
because a group of people were willing to just be with God, to receive that divine inspiration that enabled them to do something incredible. So will you follow their example? Will you take that time to just be with him, to receive that inspiration, to be in that place where you will hear from him? Let me talk about distractions versus discipline. Because this is, this is what can mess with us. Distractions versus, oh, did you see these cute puppies? This happens a lot, right? Guys, this happened to me as I was trying to write a sermon on memes. You have any idea how difficult it is to search for related content and not get lost scrolling in something else? Distractions versus discipline. Will you let distractions keep you from divine inspiration? And this might be Instagram or Facebook or some other form of social media. It might be your circle of friends, if we're honest, right? Are you around people that are inspiring you to spend more time with God? Could be what you consume. What are you reading? What are you watching? It's not bad to read or watch or listen to any form of media, but is it something that is distracting you from pursuing God? What if you turned off the TV for a month? And let me extend that to Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu. I see you uncomfortable over there. I see that. What what if you turned those off? What if you turned off the internet for a month? Right? Is it distracting you? from divine inspiration. Matthew 10, Jesus is giving some instruction to his disciples and to us because life's not easy. He says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. That escalated quickly. But the truth is, guys, hardship comes. Now, we don't experience a lot of this here in the United States. We don't experience physical persecution. But we do experience hardship in other forms, right? Whether that is any kind of persecution because of our faith. Are you embarrassed to talk about Jesus at work? Or it's just the hardship of life. Hardship comes. Loved ones die. People get hurt. People get sick. Finances fall through. The market crashes. Hardship comes. Continuing in verse 19. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. But it only comes if you have spent that time seeking Him. Divine inspiration is needed. How are we supposed to get through these hardships without divine inspiration? But will you take the time to listen?
goes on and the hardship continues. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Jesus is coming back, you guys. The hardship will not endure, but are you in a place to do his work right now? Because you are needed. You are needed for your family. Does your family know Jesus? Not all of mine does. You're needed for your friends. Not all of my friends know Jesus. Does that burden you? Because I think it should. And I think the more time you spend with God, the more you will feel that burden. And that's a good thing. Because remember, hardship inspires us. It inspires us to act. You are needed for the world. God chose to include us in his mission to spread the gospel. Not just Peter and James and Paul and on and on and on, but he chose Caleb, he chose Kevin, Crystal, Kenneth, that's a lot of cuz. He chose Marissa, he chose Nate, he chose Rick and Patty and Ethan and Caitlin. He chose us, you guys. So will we take the time to be with him? Back again to what Jesus describes as a disciple. He's not above his teacher, not a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. He's not asking us to be perfect. We just need to imitate Jesus. So don't let it stop you that you, you think you have to be perfect because you don't. If you just say, Lord, I'm willing, make me a meme, right? Make me an imitator of Jesus. Choose to position yourself for divine inspiration. And it is a choice. Now, what, what we receive from God, that's up to him. But we position our hearts. Have we been spending the time with him that we need to, to hear from him, to read his word in prayer and in community with others who will encourage us? Have we positioned ourselves to receive his divine inspiration? Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let me tell you, it is hard to just sit still and be with God, to not come with an agenda. But if you do, you will know him and know how deeply he loves you. And I believe you will receive the divine inspiration that you need to do what God has called you to do. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's one of my favorites. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He doesn't say just on Sundays. He doesn't say just for that 15 minutes every morning. He says in all your ways, acknowledge him. So are you willing to commit? Are you willing to do what it takes? How will you choose to be with Jesus today? How will you choose to be with him tomorrow? I would challenge you to talk to somebody after service, whether that's me or the prayer team or, or somebody else, and say, okay, I'm going to commit. Here's my game plan. 
Will you commit to a small group? Will you commit to doing that daily reading that you've been putting off? Whatever it may be. Will you get some accountability for it? Inspiration does not last without God. We can have all the beautiful music, all the beautiful films, and see all the hardship in the world. But if it's not divine inspiration, it doesn't last. Just like in the story of Moses, we'll make the wrong action if we take any action at all. We could end up screwing up our life for 40 years, or maybe all of it. So will you choose to position yourself to be divinely inspired? I want to take a moment to just pray for everybody and to pray for those who are in the room, those that are watching online, uh, those who are watching maybe even a recording. Uh, if, if you have heard the language, you know, let's, let's close our eyes and bow our heads. It's, it's not just a religious thing. This is actually removing distractions. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I invite you to do. Lord Jesus, I want to remove all distractions in my life. I want to be with you. I ask that you would fill the heart of every person in here, every person who is watching this online or is a recording. I ask that you would inspire us first just to be with you. I ask that you would help us to seek you, to make that time to be with you every single day and to choose accountability in it. Lord, I ask that you would stir in the hearts of everyone here that has not made that commitment to you. If you don't know Jesus today, but you are ready to know him, I invite you, today is the day. Now is your opportunity. Stop sitting on the sidelines. We have people that are ready to pray with you. God loves you so deeply. He wants you to know how much you love him. He wants you to know how much he loves you and all the good things that he has for you. So Jesus, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you love us. We give you this day. We receive all that you have for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.